welcome to the Property Doctor podcast with your host, Dr. Andrew Threadgold. If you're looking for a podcast with inspiring stories, industry insights, and discussions about entrepreneurship, you've come to the right place. Remember, if you want to follow what Andrew is doing, you can find him at Cornerplot Properties on Instagram. For now, let's get on with the show. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the Property Doctor podcast with me, your host, Dr Andrew Threadgold. This week we finish our interview with Mike Lawson and you may remember that last last time we heard from him we were just learning about the difficulties and challenges with getting lending when you're an expat and also the opportunities for lending that are available if you live in the Middle East. But all for now, let's carry on and find out what else he's got to say. And does um, could you do things like portfolio building in Dubai? Is that is that something that you can do? Yeah, I mean, my my landlord owns two hundred properties, like the one I'm sitting in right now. Right, um, okay. He's got a big portfolio. I think just uh, the good thing about Dubai is when you pay your rent in Dubai, you have to, you have to pay twelve months up front. Right. So that's nice. Um, so <laughs> like, literally, you know, I have to hand over a check for twelve months rent every September. Um, so it's actually really, really good from a cash flow point of view. It's actually uh, a, a, a something I've employed on my own business in Scotland. Um, I've been offering all my tenants um, to pay six months rent up front. Six months, the max you can do in Scotland. Right. Six months rent up front, you get a discount for paying that six months rent up front, like a 10% discount or a 5% discount. And uh, you'd actually be really surprised how, if you write out to all your tenants, how many will be willing to give you six months rent up front if, if they can get a, a a 10% discount, you know, off, off their rent. So, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's really simple to do. And uh, I just you know, I just did it because we do it here in Dubai. And we got about, actually, interestingly, we got um, we got about, about eight or nine of our tenants did it. And then we had this one lady call me up and she goes, can you come and see me? Come and see me next time you're home. And we, I know her for a long time. She's my friend's mum. And uh, she rents a flat from us. And she goes, I've got fifty thousand pound. What if I give you fifty thousand pound up front? What, <laughs> what how much discount can I get on my rent then? And uh, we ended up. She gave me the fifty thousand pound, and I just knocked off two hundred pound of my rent every month. And she's she's delighted. She yeah. can't she can't believe her luck. She thinks she she she'd got a payout from some like uh, like a work workplace injury sort of firm or something. She had something with her hats, skincare with her hands. She was a, she a hairdresser or something, and. Anyway, she got this money. She had no idea what to do with it. And it's 50 grand. It's quite a lot of money when you've never had much all your life. Absolutely. She goes, oh, I'll give it to you, son. I know you're not ripping me off and stuff. And uh, we, we did all of a contract and stuff with our, with our solicitors. And, and uh, they're just like one of my angel investors. This yeah. Old lady. Yeah. Um, quite nice. And uh, yeah, so she's, oh, she's she never wants her money back. She's like, just keep, take a £200 a month off, son. And when I die, <laughs> just give the money to my son. You know, so it's just yeah. like, yeah. So anyway, um, that's fantastic. Yeah. You've got to. I love recommend that. doing that. I yeah. recommend doing that. Absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned about tax. Um, I know. I mean, obviously, you're not a tax advisor, so we nothing that we say will be uh, is is advice. But what? Um, so your your property portfolio produces an income in Scotland in the UK. I presume you've got a holding company or something, have you? And then how do you draw money out of it? And what are the tax implications if you're an expat? 
So it's a limited company and we have set up. And if you draw money out of that through salaries or director's loan interest or dividends, um, you need to pay tax on it like any mm-hmm. UK based income you would do. Right. Uh, what I would say is there's there's certain things you can do um, that, that kind of can alleviate that tax. Everyone's situation is different. You really need to speak to your tax advisor on it. Of course, um, yeah. Certainly, I would say there is uh, inherent benefits uh, in being living in Dubai and quite significant benefits. Um, but you need to things have to be done properly. And you know, HMRC right now is a is a bit of a is a bit of a nightmare. So it just takes quite a long time to set those all those things up properly. Mm. Um, so I would say that. Um, speak to a tax advisor, do it properly. Um, I think it's important as well, you know, if you are moving uh, overseas, it shouldn't just be to save a bit of money in tax uh, because, frankly, Dubai is so expensive. Um, right. you, know, you know, I'm renting a pretty modest two-bedroom house and it costs about £50,000 a year. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Um, but... You know, if you, it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't really relate to the UK because I've not lived there for so long. Uh, I, people tell me it's really expensive there too now, uh, but I just, it's I can't. It's not that relate. expensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know the rents you charge. It's, I mean, someone's living in a four bed house for two and a half grand a month. They're not paying 50 grand a year, are they? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it is really expensive. So just kind of bear that in mind. Um, but the salaries are higher in Dubai as well. So yeah. if someone's to move to Dubai, you do get paid a lot more money um, and it's tax free as well. But mm. just remember that the, it's it's a lot of silent taxes in Dubai, right? It's the fact that the everything is owned by the government. So for example, um, the internet we're using right now, uh, my internet costs about £100 a month. Uh-huh. Uh, there's two internet companies, both owned by the government. The price is the same. Right. It's not competition. So it's yeah. like, like it, well, <laughs> where are you going to go? So yeah. uh, bear that in mind that it's it's pretty expensive in Dubai. Uh, I'm, if anyone has any questions moving to Dubai, I'm happy to kind of give them some advice. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've lived here so long that I kind of know all the ins and outs of it right now. So There must uh, be a little yeah. community of, uh, like, I mean, we both know Danny Inman. He must be a mate of yours, is he? If, um, do you live nearby each other or how does that work? Yeah, so well, I used to be his neighbour. He stood across the street from me, but I moved house. I'm actually going for coffee with him tomorrow. Um, But we have a a small prosperity group here. There's about five of us now um, here. And then we've got uh, every, if anyone wants to come to a a networking event, the first Wednesday of every month, we have a networking event. We have a WhatsApp group uh, and we just tell them where it's going to be on the WhatsApp group. It's always in different places. And it's a really nice bunch of people. There's no cell or anything like that. It's just a bunch of people kind of talking up and having a few beers it's quite a nice group actually and yeah. everyone's doing really things in that group as well which is quite interesting We've got everything from developers to um you know guys that have got their own lettings agencies and all the way through to put by landlords yeah to, i need to come out there just to go to one of these wednesday meetings <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, another I'm friend of mine's out there alison malone do you know alison yeah uh, i'm trying to think yeah i do know alison yeah she's part of our group on the wednesdays right yeah so I'd fit right in, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should definitely come out. Definitely come out. It's uh, it's it's a good kind of. Uh, do you know the good thing about Dubai is it's very inspirational. You come here, and I always feel like I'm, I'm, I always feel like wealth in the UK is people really look down on it. Yeah, think oh, there's this kind of envious kind of look to it. You know, people all if you drive, I don't know if you drive along in a Ferrari, someone will say, oh. Look at that dickhead in his Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. Dubai, you know, if you see some guy in a Ferrari, all you want to do is go up to him and say, 
excuse me, how how did you what did you do to make that get that Ferrari? What's your business? Can you tell me about it? Yeah. Any, can you give me pointers? Do you know, it's it's more that kind of atmosphere. You know, it's more kind of like people are celebrating their success, and that's an environment I love to be part of. Yes, I, uh, absolutely. I'm all about positivity and celebrating. You know, if my mates do well for themselves, I just think it's such a great reflection of. You know how how we're brought up, or how we you know how we we live. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's for me is what I'm all about. I find that's one of the challenges we've got in the UK. Is the yeah. kind of in the UK and every corner of the green-eyed monster, and yeah. we'll say, "Oh, how can you do that? Or why do you do that?" You know, it's yeah, it's like, okay, it's help me do. You know, yeah, it's funny. There's different phases in the UK. I think so uh, as an observer, and I'm kind of moving through it myself now. So when you first start, everybody's rooting for you. You know, oh, go, Michael. You know, Mike's trying to do this in property. Go on, Mike. Then you get to a certain point and it's, oh, you've been so lucky. Look how lucky you are. Nobody sees the effort. And then you get past the luck stage and it's, oh, wanker. Do you know what I mean? So there's yeah, different yeah. There's different layers that people progress. I mean, just look at Anthony Joshua. Everybody loved Anthony Joshua when he was coming up. Then he became world champion and everybody wants to knock him down. So it's yeah. uh, that I cannot I cannot abide that about the UK mindset. It really annoys me. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just uh, I, I think people forget that it's, it's the compounding effect of um, doing the same doing doing so it's the compounding effect of the same effort every single day. You know, yeah. The the, the one thing I'd say about building a big portfolio like mine is uh, it didn't just happen overnight. I didn't just buy a portfolio off the shelf. It was the compounding effect of doing the same thing over and over again. It was rinse and repeat. You know, yeah. it was a buy, rinse, repeat, next. Do you know what I mean? Build it, build it, build it and grow it. That That's that's how it works. But there's a lot more to it than that, though. There's a lot more. I mean, that's that's the fundamental of it. But there's a lot more to it. I mean, you've got to have tolerance of debt. You've got to have tolerance of risk. You've got to be willing to take calculated risks that other people wouldn't. You know, I mean... You won't own your portfolio outright. You will have debt, and a lot of people are petrified of debt, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Especially in the environment right now, where the interest rates are going absolutely crazy. Um, it's you know, it's been such a challenge. Um, you know, over the past few years, we've really scaled the business a lot, and this year we just can't seem to get moving because of the interest rates. Mm. Uh, it's just, uh, it's really been a challenge for us, and. If I'm totally honest with you, um, Andrew, I, I don't really know what's next for us. Um, right. I think if you'd asked three months ago, I would have said, "Ah, oh, we're going to buy 10 more this year and 15 more the next year. And we're going to have 150. And by the time I'm 40, and then I'll, oh, we'll see where I'm at. Maybe I'll go full time in the business. We'll see what happens, you know. Yeah. But now I'm just thinking, I, I'm just not too sure what, what the next move is for us. This year, we've so far this this calendar year, we've 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 bought a kind of just random stuff. We bought one house outright cash, like a, sorry, two bed flat. And honestly, the only reason we bought that was because we owned all the other houses in the block, the other flats in the block. Sorry, it's, we felt we had to have it. Yeah. Um, then we bought a butcher shop. Um, we oh, okay. bought uh, and I bought a gar- garage last week. Um, so just like you know, just random stuff. But you know, it's it wasn't really our model. Um, our model we'd kind of refined, and we're buying the same properties over and over again. We're buying. You know, four in a blocks, ex council flats, or two bed terraced houses um, in in kind of these specific villages. Um, but yeah, I've just it's it's a bit of a challenge right now because the markets the, for for an expat getting finance, it's really quite challenging. It sounds it, yeah, absolutely. So you you've had to come up with some creative ways of financing things. Then it, it I think we touched on in the past in the past kind of twenty minutes or so that 
you know, things like mortgages, obviously, then you'll have um, moving money to fund refurbs and then, you know, presumably bank loans, credit cards, overdrafts, whatever you can you can use that that meets the need at the time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That that's kind of what what we've been doing um, is just any any which way to pull in the money, you know. So just moving money around wherever we can. Um, I've got some pretty big overdrafts here in the UAE, but overdrafts in the UK as well that we can utilize to help you kind of try buy things cash. Yeah. Uh, then you can just pay them off with the cash flow in the business, but also. No, we're at the point now where because we've got such a big portfolio, we actually have quite a lot of monthly cash flow in the business. Mm. Um, so, you know, technically we could probably buy a new another property every month or two. You know, mm-hmm. um, we could deposit no problem at all and just add another one to the portfolio. Um, but it's uh, but it's getting the we, the the, the kind of lending to support that deposit, isn't end, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the lender that we were using before, they eat, when I'm, when I'm going to them right now, they're quoting rates of like 9% interest on a buy-to-let. Well, they're next. And, 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 and the before we started, I was whinging about my 7.5% service accommodation yeah. mortgage. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've am i always paid around about 5 to 6% interest. Right. Always um, on, my, on my lending, just because as an expat, that's what you need to pay. Um, there's a, but it's it's become ever more challenging, uh, and I think it's just about just have, being mindful of that and, and knowing that as an expat, it is there's a lot of benefits of being an expat. I think if I think if the banks understood the benefits of being an expat, they would be much more comfortable with the lending. Um, certainly, if I was a bank manager, I'd be far more comfortable giving me the money. Uh, if you look at my track record, if you go on company's house and look at my company and the record behind the company, there's. You know, four sets, four years of accounts. Do you know what I mean? They show yeah. you exactly what's things. And you know, if you if if you look at it like that, um, but you know, it'd be far easier for someone to walk up the street with very little experience and get the first bite of that market. It would be for me. They get a much better rate than I would as well, which is it's madness to think about it like that. But mm. um, so especially right now, with your track um, record. Yeah, I mean, right now, I just I don't know what to do. Um, a, a part of me thinks that I should um, sell off some of this bigger stock that we've got. Um, some of these big four bed houses and these, you know, we've got a couple of houses that are worth like a couple hundred grand each and they just really don't suit this new reality um, mm. um, that right now with interest rates the way they are, if it's going to be the maintained for two or three years, when I try to refinance them, they're not going to get the, um, I forget what's called, like the, the debt to coverage ratio, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the amount of mortgage you have to, the amount of rent you have to get every month yeah. to cover. I see, yeah, income coverage ratio. Income coverage, it's not going to fit into those kind of molds anymore. So I'm going to have to really pay down the debt on those properties. So it doesn't really make sense anymore. So mm. it'd be better just to move on uh, and you know take the equity out of them and pay down other properties in the business or reinvest in other areas. So mm. I'm not too sure what's next for us right now. To be honest with you, I just got married last month, so I'm just taking a bit of a, thank you so much. I'm just taking a bit of a pause to be honest for you to enjoy all that sort of stuff as well and. Um, and just you know, was it honeymoon? All that's so just that for, for me. It's been about taking a bit of a pause, seeing where we're at, um, and then just looking out for new opportunities. I, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm sure there the, the must be phases that you have to go through when you've got a decent portfolio where you need to trim the less well performing assets. And I mean, they might perform well, but if they're not meeting your return on investment criteria, then cut them and you know stockpile and go again. That's um, that. I mean, it's. No, not, it's your business, not mine. But that seems like a sensible thing, sensible approach. Yeah, another big thing. What we've been really trying to do um, is consolidate areas where we own properties because we've got quite a big portfolio. 
we like the idea of owning certain streets or owning certain <laughs> cul-de-sacs, things like that. I know that sounds a bit silly, but that sounds uh, a bit of an ego actually, ego drive. <laughs> no, but it, it actually makes a lot of sense. For example, for, I'll give you an example. There's just one cul-de-sac, and it's a cracking little cul-de-sac. It's actually quite quiet and it's quite nice. But there's there's basically just higgledy piggledy parking all over the place. The parking's a mess. Right. But because we bought up the majority of that cul-de-sac, we managed to be able to, um, you know, get the council to allow us to have, to create off-street parking in all the properties, um, create parking slots. We kind of lobbied them to create parking slots in the middle of the, um, the, the, kind of the cul-de-sac itself. And and now it's a much more pleasant place to live for our tenants. And okay. the value of if you look at that cul-de-sac compared to the next one along, the values are more in that cul-de-sac simply because it's a really pleasant place and there's lots of parking and it's, it's much better, you know. Yeah, Plus, yeah. you know, you know, if you own four, all you know, in Scotland, we have lots of blocks of four flats. So if you own all four flats, the blocks, you've got kind of control over, you know, who's in what properties and things like that. Yeah. Um, we've had some challenges in the past, actually. Um, but you know, when other landlords put kind of like really poor tenants uh, into into some some of the other flats, things like that, it's been a real challenge for us. Yeah, that's interesting as well, really, because I mean, there's uh, there's one particular street in in the area that we like to invest in, in a place called Redcar, which is in the northeast of England. And we, we're slowly, I think we've got three or four on that street now, and it's not a very big street. So, uh, you know, uh, by doing so, we, we're buying the houses that even the foxes wouldn't enter and turning them into yeah. nice places. So, uh, you know, that you're improving, you're actually improving the area if you if you concentrate where you're, where you're buying, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I just as for me, the big thing is pushing the values up as well to make sure that you're you're getting even better return on your money. Well, and, and you, you're creating your own comparables, aren't you? As well, exactly. Yeah, which is which is which is the great thing about it. So. Mm. That's fascinating. So, um, just to, as we head towards the close, then have you got any? Uh, was there any particularly good or bad deals that you've done that that stick out in your memory? Oh, the worst deal I ever done was in Dubai. Um, All right. So I bought a flat in Dubai, and I thought when I put so it was really interesting. I bought this flat. It was on the forty second floor of a skyscraper, one below the one below the penthouse, and I paid about pounds. Let's say, let's call it three hundred twenty thousand pounds for this flat. Very basic two bed flat, good size, nice flat, beautiful sea views, uh, beautiful marina views, a good flat. But the problem is, it had been owned by uh, a really wealthy Afghanistani man. Right. Uh, he basically had turned it into his little palace. So, you know, it, it really looked like, I mean, gold mirror tiles on the walls <laughs> and the ceiling. Uh, a disco ball in one of the bedrooms. Uh, <laughs> ornate gold um, uh, bathroom suite. It really was something to, to, to see. Yeah. Um, I spent about another £50,000 renovating the whole thing. Uh, making it much better. It took me six months to do because, of course, it's on the six on the forty second floor of a skyscraper, so it's an absolute nightmare to get materials up and down the lift. Yeah. Nightmare to get on the project. Um, it took six months to renovate. I lived in it for four years, and during that time, the market crashed. Right. Mar- the market's not like in the UK. It's a yo-yo. Um, it goes up and down, up and down. We're still not in Dubai. We're still not at the same peak prices as we were in two thousand seven. Really. Um, right. 
Yeah. So the guy, interestingly, the guy I paid, so in Durham's, I paid 1.65 for it. The guy before me had paid 2.5 for it. So he lost so much money on it, but he must have had to sell. So mm. anyway, but uh, with that property, but all was said and done, I'd probably spent about 360,000, pounds on it. Uh, and I ended up selling it for 350. Oh, yeah. Because the market was down, and, and that was and that was the market I picked up. At one point, I would have had to sell for about two fifty. The market dropped so much, and I the reason I sold it was because I felt the building was going downhill. I felt like the the neighbors were moving in weren't the same caliber as when I I bought the place four years earlier. But you know, I say was it a bad deal? Well, I lived in it for four years. Um, you know, all my mates were living in the same buildings, but I had the most beautiful apartment. I rent, I renovated a really high standard. You know, the interest in the loan every month was like, I don't know, four hundred pounds a month, whereas right. my mates were paying about fifteen hundred pound a month to rent their place. Um, so, you know, I, I, it wasn't the best deal in the world, but I think I, I basically, time you think about living in it and the quality of the quality of the apartment I had, I think I basically broke even on it. Yeah. Um, but that was probably the worst, the worst deal I've ever had. Uh, but it was an experience. Uh, it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a laugh at the time. Yeah, uh, I did have an amazing apartment to live in for four years. The best deal I ever had um, was this amazing old four-bedroom stone house that I bought in Scotland uh, in, in this village Tapeport that, that where a lot of our properties are. And it was, um, it was a family had come to me, and they basically said, "Look." Uh, this house is such poor repair. There's no kitchen. There's no bathroom. There was no heating system. Uh, we don't want to put it on the market. Uh, we just don't feel right about it. We just want it gone. So I got it for 150. I spent about probably about 30 on it, and I got it re- re- revalued at 260. Oof. So it was a real, it was a real winner. I've still got it right now. I rent it for a thousand pound a month. But that's another one of those things, Andrew. That's a property, for example, that. You know, I refinanced it. I pulled all my money out and some. Um, but now, when I go back to look at the the coverage that for the mm. for the market statements, that's not going to refinance at these interest rates these days. That's going to have to go. Yeah. You know, and I can't get more than thousand pound a month for it because, frankly, that's what a four bedroom house rents for in that village thousand pound a month, whether right. it's worth two hundred fifty grand or not. So that's one of those ones I'll probably have to sell or mm. in this. You know, use that for other pro- money for other projects because it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah, um, yeah. But you might have an emotional attachment to it because it's your best deal, and then you might not want to sell it. And that, so you've got to look at it from a business perspective as well, haven't you? You've got to take all the emotion <laughs> out of it. Ah, no. To be honest with you, I, I really don't think that way about properties at all. I'm just kind of like so unattached to properties. I just I think because I don't, I've never lived in any of them. You know, I kind of don't want to yeah to live in any. Of them. So I just, yeah, I just, I don't really think that way about them. I just, they're just, um, yeah, I mean. It's, That's just, the way you've got to do it. If, I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah, that, that, and that's kind of the way about it. So, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's that's been an amazing chat about what you're doing and what you've, you know, where you're up to at the minute. So if people like the cut of your jib, where can they find you? Yeah, just honestly, the best place is on um, Facebook or on LinkedIn. It's just, uh, sorry, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, okay. It's just Mike Lawson Dubai. So Instagram, Mike Lawson Dubai. Facebook, Mike Lawson Dubai. And you can find me on there. Feel free to add me. Um, to be honest with you, I don't put much property stuff up. I just put stuff, pictures of, I don't know, pictures of beach Dubai or travel adventures I've, I've been on or me and my dog out for, out for a walk or something. So, yeah. Um, but if you want to see about the business and what kind of stuff we're doing, um, it's just at Lawson Lettings uh, on Facebook, Instagram, 
Um, again, we, we we don't put a lot of stuff about property investing up there. It's more to do with local community sort of things or properties where that we're renovating right now. Or we our target for our lot our loss and lettings pages is more prospective tenants within our community. Yeah. Uh, that's more kind of the, the aim for it rather than you know other people want to hear about our property journey. Um, it's not really we don't put things like that up there on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do like your Instagram actually. I, as uh, you and I follow each other on Instagram, but I do like uh, wistfully looking at the beaches that you've uh, found yourself <laughs> on, and you know, you're, you're flying into the Maldives and wherever else. It's it's uh, it's. I mean, you walk in the talk. You know, you're not like one of these you know, stood in front of somebody else's Lamborghini type people, you're actually, you know, a genuine guy doing genuine things and you've done it the hard way. So, yeah, I couldn't recommend following you enough. It's you know, uh, I've, not got, I've not got a Lamborghini, but I just got a new car. Uh, really? Filled with it. Yeah, I've got a Land Cruiser, this big four-wheel drive thing. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, Toyota. Follow me on Instagram because I'm going to have loads of camping adventures in the desert and stuff like that. So I'm dead <laughs> excited about it. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, if you go, team, I think it's better. If you go to Dubai, you've got to go into the desert. They've all got land cruises, yeah. haven't they? So, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, so. Mike Lawson, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Thank you.